0: Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you all. Today uh, we welcome you to the Voice of Islam show for IAAAE. Now IAAAE stands for the International Association of Ahmadi Architects and Engineers. And in today's show uh, I am absolutely delighted here to be hosted uh, with me. My my name is Nayab Sayyid, I am the UK General Secretary for IAAAE. Together I am absolutely delighted to have here with me on the panel today Mr. Iftikhar Wasim, who is the President of IAAAE in the UK. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you, Iftikhar. And also alongside him, we have Mr. Abdul Razak Sheikh, who is also uh, uh, heads-up our Architects Division within and is also Vice-Chair for the Association in the UK. Like <coughs> peace be upon you and welcome to you both here today. Thank you for taking the time here with us. Now, today, I mean, just for the benefit of our listeners here today. Uh, IAAAE stands for the International Association of Family Architects and Engineers, which in very simplistic terms is just across the UK and Europe alone, consists of around 400 volunteer architects, engineers, and specialists in many other vocations and disciplines through which some of the impact through the association is actually provided. Now, at a very top level, uh, IAAAE's focus lies in improving the lives of others. How is this done? And who is it focused on? Particularly the underprivileged and underrepresented parts of society, uh, especially looking at rural areas across developing nations. Now, although the core work consists of helping to provide relief through access to clean water, electricity, infrastructure, and also for some time now, education, uh, food security, and uh, shelter security, Type initiatives, which we 'll talk about a little bit as we as as we go through the show today, all is part of the continuing drive and passion of the members to create true value for those that we serve now today, I think what we we'll 'd like to do is just take a a start off by taking a quick walk around some of the wonderful work that the association Association has been conducting over the uh, the, the last year or so, uh, and more importantly with the uh, uh, two two panel members here that I've got here today, have a look and explore the architectural significance of these projects, which we'll discuss in a minute. So I think just to kick off, uh Iftikhar, if I could start with you, as obviously President uh, uh, of the uh, the UK, just highlighting some of the three core elements, which are the uh, the, the provision of potable water, the provision of renewable energy, or pr- the uh, provision of small-scale electrification, shall we say, out to rural villages using renewables, and then also the architectural side. Uh, if you can just give us a very high level overview of what this consists of and some examples of the type of benefits it provides to the beneficiaries that we try to
1: serve. Uh, please be upon you. Um, <clears throat> as you have explained uh, uh, briefly in, in your introduction, uh, we have uh, various uh, committees. Uh, so, water for life, Ele- uh, alternative energy, and, Elect- uh, and, and, and architecture are the are the key. Uh, committees that, that are trying to help in africa and 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 um, and wider um, part of the world um so in terms of if I can very quickly go through uh, the, uh, the, um, the 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 scope of these these committees are for water for life <coughs> uh, we try and uh, provide portable drinking water uh, through uh, a re- rehabilitation uh, of um, of the existing borehole or creating new boreholes uh, using either Indian Mark II uh, hand pumps or uh, um, with modern technology with the re- uh, renewable um, solar solar uh, systems, and we have covered almost East and West Africa uh, for water for because this, this, was, this was the first committee uh, start in Europe um, through uh, under IEEE. The second one is AEC, which is Alternative Energy uh, Committee, providing electricity generally, which is uh, either uh, through uh, renewable, uh, battery-powered uh, electricity in each household, or DC systems. Uh, DC systems being the new, uh, newest, which which is which is uh, going quite uh, um, being successful in terms of the practical uh, practical applications, and also it consists. Uh, provision of uh, street lights Uh, so where we can't take uh, the DC systems in each household we are providing electricity particularly when it comes to the toilet facility that we build in in communal areas we can't provide electricity in each Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cubicle so what we try to do is we build uh, um, street lights around the toilet facility so that it's uh, uh, it's eliminated.
0: So for the benefit of our <coughs> listeners, basically what you've done is uh, created a solution through which you're able to provide small-scale yeah. electricity into rural villages uh, across uh, across the regions that we serve.
1: Yeah, and from the UK point of view itself, uh, we, are, we are nearly 250 members and uh, almost all of them, not every <coughs> member is active generally, but yeah. uh, majority of the members are, are, are active in, in, in various disciplines, whether it be... Uh, technical side, design side, procurement, and uh, going out uh, and and serving Africa as as project managers and and. Uh.
0: And I think one of the salient points here, which is uh, very notable and uh, probably needs to be emphasised a little bit, is the fact that the bulk of the team, which operates across these regions in in delivering this wonderful work, are primarily volunteers. And I guess that ties right the way back into the theme, of, as we celebrating this Cholsa Convention here, the uh, an annual convention here where everybody gets together. And it's that same sentiment and that same thing which is instilled within uh, all of the uh, Ahmadiyya community. And we use sure. as a principal guiding point for, in terms of our ethos and our drive and passion in trying to, uh, to, to, to serve others. So you touched upon water here just now. I mean, water, water uh, potable water especially for the use of drinking. Yep. is in despite the fact that the, uh, the the planet earth is consists of approximately seventy five percent of surfaces uh, covered by water yet only three percent is actually available as drinking water and as the population densities increase as the uh, uh, the, the, the challenges with regard to the changes in terms of the climatic uh, conditions in terms of our uh, water and uh, uh, weather systems etc these are all causing challenges further bottlenecking and creating further sca- scarcity as it comes to with regards to the uh, the provision of water so now i know iaae uh, uh, has done approximately just over 3000 water points across the entire african continent yeah. for, by, by by way of an example and this consists of hand pumps this consists of solar pumps and it, uh, uh, we have some rainwater harvesting systems. Just for the benefit of our listeners, if you could just explain what, when we talk about the technical term of rehabilitation, so what does that actually consist of and uh, how does that uh, actually add value to the, uh, the work that the association is doing? Uh,
1: so uh, in terms of rehabilitation, we obviously target uh, uh, those uh, villages where uh, there is an existing borehole. But it's non-functioning. So, just
0: for the benefit, once again, for our listeners, so the the, the, the function of rehabilitation is to take an existing water point yeah. and to actually refresh it effectively, effectively. Bring it back up, uh, allowing water to be thing. And I mean, what are some of the challenges which lead us to the uh, situation where these rehabilitations need to exist? Why why do the rehabilitations need to Need to take place
1: yeah uh, uh, particularly in, in African countries because of the dry weather and and uh, and uh, this is the most important thing because of uh, so much heat you have the water table goes down and it 's going down constantly in uh, you know it, it varies in some parts of for example in in niger in 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 when it comes to closer to uh, where, 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 uh, the countries uh, the, the neighboring boundary of Nigeria. There, the water table you can find very uh, at, a, at a high level, but as you go towards an up north, the the so the,
0: at a high level you're saying that the water is closer to the surface, yeah, so it's closer easier, to easier, the sur-
1: easier to extract, extract in, in yeah. greater quantities. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 pressure, the the yield we get in in uh, the southern part of Ni- in, uh, Niger, for example, you get in between seven to ten cubic meter, which is absolutely brilliant. So seven to
0: ten yeah, cubic meter so per hour. So we're talking about seven to ten thousand cubic uh, liters of water per hour. Forever, so yes. Yeah. That's, that's quite a significant significance.
1: But as you go up north, and uh, for example, Mali towards the Mali side, uh, the water table goes so low that uh, even if you try and extract it, uh, it will cost you a lot of money to just to do uh, you know to to to, 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 uh, to remove the debris and to get to the surface of the water. So uh, you might as well just do a new borehole for for that matter. So rehabilitating is an important exercise because with uh, as i said uh, the the water table goes down uh, it's very difficult to bring it up un- until you do a thorough uh, uh, you know bringing in the rigs and 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 bring, uh, trying reaching the 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 surface and we don't know whether there is any natural aquifer after uh, even after doing that so there are a lot of channel challenges
0: and i guess as you go further north or up as you uh, you're really approaching the boundaries of the sahara and Saharan, the sahel yeah. the sahel region so you're getting uh, deeper and deeper access to water at those stages. Now, we're talking about, so, so these water tables, they tend to vary and fluctuate throughout the year. Uh, so so these, are, these, for the benefit of our listeners, are, I guess, are effectively like containers of water under the earth, uh, which are actually going up and down based on, based on usage. And uh, so, no, it's, it's an interesting thing. So there's a lot of work being done on that basis. And now we'll just very quickly, lightly touch on the uh, architectural side. So what value has architecture uh, provided?
2: So you see with the, um, the IEEE building uh, various uh, structures all around Africa using sustainable and local uh, building material, we've managed to build hospitals, schools, um, and we're also uh, coming up with a model village uh, which combines all the three core committees, which is the uh, Water for Life, Alternative Energy, and uh, the architecture. We combine it all uh, and we're able to make a model village. Now… Um,
0: so, okay, so, so I think we're, we're, with that, we're, for all of our listeners, we're just about to uh, embark on our break, and as we return, after the break, we'll then continue with the result to, as a continuation of this theme. Uh, Allah
1: You're listening to the voice of Islam radio, broadcasting on DAB via the internet, 24 hours a day.
0: Welcome back, uh, welcome back to all of our listeners on Voice of Islam. And Today we're here at the uh, show discussing IAAAE, which stands for the International Association of Ahmadi Architects and Engineers. And welcome back to our listeners, and here I have alongside me here, uh, Mr. Iftik Arvaseem, who's the President of IAAAE UK, and also Mr. Abdul Razak Sheikh, who is uh, Vice Chair for the Association, and also leads up the architectural uh, uh, discipline. Now, just before the break, gents, we were discussing about what role the value of uh, uh, architecture has within the uh, association's work. So, maybe just at a top level. Uh, Razak, if you want to explain.
2: Yes, so as Iftikhar Sahib has explained uh, just now, what is the role of the IEEE, and we have various faculties. Um, And a lot of our listeners are already familiar with uh, the role of the IEEE and the amount of work that they're doing all around the world, especially Africa. Uh, But I would like to touch upon uh, one particular project, which is the uh, housing development project, which is uh, very, very uh, new and very important. And we have been advised uh, by uh, His Holiness um, that we are to provide some housing development projects uh, using the techniques uh, and the experience that the IEEE has developed uh, over the years. Um, our chairman, Mr. Akram Ahmadi has um, selected two uh, places in Africa, one in Ghana uh, in close to Accra and the other one in Nigeria in the outskirts of Lagos, uh, named Ilaro. These two uh, lands uh, which the Jamaat already has acquired, we will be designing um, housing uh, facilities over there. Initially, the idea was to provide low-cost housing only, However, due to the um, interest and the demand from uh, various uh, sectors uh, we've been advised to look at both medium-level uh, medium, uh, size, um, medium level development and also low-cost housing. Um, we are already underway, uh, plans, high-level plans have been developed uh, and local architects and engineering firms have been contacted. And uh after our this Chelsea event, we will be um, looking at more detailed designs. we I would also like to uh, tell our viewers that we have um, our architects and engineers not only in the u k but also scattered all around Europe. We have uh, good teams in uh, uh, in Germany, uh, where we have uh, a section of the ladies' architecture department who will be undertaking the detailed design of uh, these uh, houses. Uh, and soon uh, the members uh, will be made aware as to what the costs are going to be like, uh, how they can um, um, you know sponsor one, how they can purchase and purchase one, and what will be the other. The details. Uh, if the Khar sahab uh, here um, uh, is also uh, with me on uh, the uh, development project and looks after the uh, technical side of things in terms of uh, um, uh, what these units should cost. Um, if the Khar will explain a little bit more to you on the so, technical so side of things. So yeah.
0: just to get this right, so up until now from what I understand and know is uh, that much value is provided where the architectural side discipline within iaa goes a very long way in in helping to provide benefit uh, in terms of the infrastructure that goes out on some of our projects, providing rural communities with things such as community centers schools hospitals outbuildings uh, i believe there's two very very large places of worship uh, in the the shape of a mosque that have been built across uh, africa now so so now you're thinking very much out of the box and coming up with some very creative and uh, uh, innovative progressive ways in which you can actually tap based on the back of the, uh, the the commercial demand within some of these marketplaces and then hopefully use some of that to uh, fund the uh, impact of the ieaa work further so you can serve more beneficiaries
2: yes also given the current uh situation of the world where you have uh, a lot of injustice uh, and uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, displacement uh, displacement. Um, you have uh, very clear examples uh, of syria uh, what's happening there what's happening in the middle east uh, what's happening in in in, in ukraine Um, under that situation we've been uh, guided by his holiness to look at various um, possibilities uh, of housing uh, if there is a, uh, such an event uh, how uh, people can be housed uh, very quickly uh, so we're working on the, on the on the on the basics of that
0: yeah that's that's very interesting as you said there's a is a lot of due to the geopolitical status of the world and the very uh, uh, nimble and uh, che- ever changing landscape that we are facing now well more so increasing on a day by day basis as we move forward we, we see that there's a lot of movement and a lot of displacement. Many, many of these same individuals tend to be cutting across these continents and, you know, wading their ways into these migratory uh, uh, crossings that we've been seeing in terms of mass migration. So that's a very, very interesting view. Uh, gentlemen, I thank you both for taking the time out today uh, to see. So for for our listeners, it's... Uh, Absolutely uh, brings us to the end of our captivating journey today. It's very limited time that we have but with I- IAAAE Architects and their incredible work, you know, even using humanitarian architecture as you class it. I hope that you've been inspired by some of these stories of resilience, innovation and the profound impact that they're making in the lives of so many. Now, if you're feeling motivated or moved by some of the uh, what you've heard today and would like to be a part of this incredible movement, if you're an engineer, a student, uh, anything working in technical disciplines, please feel free to visit the IAAAE website at iaaae.org to learn more about the projects, volunteer opportunities and way that, ways in which you can support their mission. Together we can make a difference. Thank you for joining us on a special edition of IAAAE Architects and the Power of Humanity today. We hope you've gained a new perspective and a renewed sense of inspiration keep spreading the word stay engaged and let's continue to build a world where everyone has access to safe sustainable and dignified spaces his holiness hazret mirza Masroor ahmed the present head of the community continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom he has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings
3: that the world has become a global village. Mankind has become very closely knit together. The people of all nations, religions and cultures are found in all countries. And so this requires that the leaders of every nation should consider and respect the feelings and sentiments of all people. The leaders and their governments should strive to create laws that foster an environment and spirit of truth and justice rather than making laws that are a means of causing distress and frustration to the people. Assalamu alaikum, my name is Shaukat Bhatti and I'm working with the IAAA Agricultural Department and with me is Lekha Bhatti. She is the project manager of the first farm in Hadikad al-Mahdi. Assalamu alaikum and jazakAllah for having me. You're most welcome. So, Leika, we'll, uh, between us, we'll be going through the process of what we've been doing over the nine weeks and um, see what we have got to and what the aim of the farm is and what the objectives are and how we progr- progress. So, first of all, would you like to tell me what type of farming we are doing in Hadith al
4: So, in Hadith al-Mehdi, um, we've only started nine weeks ago, but we're doing two things currently on our farm um we're doing something called a garden market and we're doing experiments now the reason for that is i think many of those who are attending jalsa this year or have attended at any time will know um what the soil is like here um we have something called clay soil here so you have a you have a big problem with clay soil because it exists in two states either it's really dry and dusty or it becomes really wet and muddy and there is no specific middle state And both of those states are not really conducive to growing many crops other than the grass you'll see around Hadikat al-Mehdi. So for this reason, um, we've had to sort of split our farm into two sections, as I mentioned. Um, And one of them is experimental farming, um, in which we are looking at different experiments, but also experiments including how to improve the soil that is currently in Hadikat al-Mehdi so that we can actually farm things, you know, other than um, uh, grass here. Okay,
3: we'll talk about a little bit how we can improve the soil um, later on. But would you like to uh, now explain to uh, our listeners what uh, IEEE envisions with this plot?
4: So, the agricultural department of IEEE is fairly new. Um, and the overarching aim of the whole department, including Hadikatul is to lo- look at um, reducing um, hunger problems around the world. So we've got two farms, for example, in Africa that also focus on this. Um, but in Hadikatul Mehdi we are, I, th- I guess, we're a bit more privileged um, that we don't have instant, you know, famine problems. However, we still have problems here because the costs of farming in the UK, for example, is becoming very prohibitive because of the use of things such as fertilizers and other chemicals. So the purpose here at Hadikatul mehdi is trying to sort of become a bit more uh, sustainable but also self-sufficient. Um, and that relates to our current climate, but also looking into the future and any other disasters that could strike around the world. How can we become self-sustainable and make a model that can actually be applied to other farms around the country and then again across the
3: world, really? Absolutely. And talking about sustainability, uh, Allah, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, his name is al qayyum and that means all subsisting we cannot become all subsisting because we depend on things so we cannot totally become uh, totally sustaining because only allah can do that out of nothing he can create what we mean by subsistence farming which is the new modern way of farming is that we are trying to utilize things that we don't have to buy so we're still using things we're not subsistence in that way like allah he you know he can produce things we are using free things like things on the farm like jalsa compost is uh, something that's started uh, a year ago and we're looking at uh, seeing how we can improve, quicken the process of composting. So we try not to waste because waste is not a thing which, you know, uh, which Allah likes because it's being ungrateful for Allah's blessings. But when you have forty to 50,000 people, waste is inevitable. And so on the farm, we are taking the dal, leftover, aloo gorsh, you know, the meat and the potato curries and we're trying to see how we can turn it back into soil. Without a large carbon footprint because no tractors are taking them away and we are making, putting them in boxes. There's a couple of experiments going on. One is uh, to, um, it's, uh, the one of the boxes is underlaid with, um, like a polystyrene wrap to heat up the compost faster. So increasing the decomposition. The second is that there are pipes going from the base of the soil into the soil to see if um, worms can travel upwards into the soil. And the third is an auger method, which is one of uh, one way to increase composition sorry decomposition of food matter is to introduce air. so this tool it's almost like a mega drill um, uh, that's applied twice a month, and that is said to increase uh, the decomposition of food into soft, luscious soil that um, we can use in the market garden. So, um, uh, Leika, what problems have you had since the nine weeks that you've been working on the farm? You're smiling at this, so. (laughs)
4: Yes, I think um, we started from, I think, scratch up and um, we've gone, I think we've had many volunteers who've built the fencing and the water supply to the farm and I think one of our challenges has been uh, I think the manual labour that's involved and the hard work. It really is, I think, we do not appreciate how much work you know, farmers actually put in to get the food to our table. Um, Equally, how reliant we've, over-reliant maybe, we've become on machinery to do everything for us. Um, But I think we've had uh, sort of building from ground up and we're trying to do it with the resources that we have. And that sort of poses a challenge in a way that when you start anything, right, we can do something a certain way. For example, we had the compost, you know, from uh, the Jalsa waste left over, that was composted from last year. We had that, and we thought, you know, we could use that. But one of the challenges we faced, it wasn't composted completely. So last year's gel cell waste was mixed in with wood Um That actually takes two to three years to break down fully. So we had compost that looked nice from the outside, but the moment you went in, you could you could smell last year's, um, you know, darn and whatnot. Um, so those are the challenges. But again, I think... I, I for me I've seen farming in a new light. You really have to think on your feet and you have to think, right, how can we, you know, overcome this challenge. So for example, the department that deals with compost this year and they're not they're not using wood chip, they're using
3: sawdust, aren't they? The sawdust, yeah. but as
4: well as the paper plates and yes, the cups and the yes. shredding them down. Yes, yes. That will compost faster. So inshallah next year when we're trying to build, you know, this one acre farm up, inshallah, mm-hmm. you know, we will have more compost. Mm-hmm. So those are the sort of small challenges that we face you know, around every corner. But you have to, you have to Absolutely. improvise
3: and just move on. Our, our main thing was to grow strawberries. Now, we actually specially researched so much to have strawberries growing bang on our jalsa date, <laughs> And we were told by the suppliers, yes, they would, yes, they would. And they were so sure that they even gave us some a variety that would produce a couple of days early. And lo and behold, you know, uh, things that we plan and, you know, Allah plans, but it's to humble us and teach us actually to strive harder, or breakers actually, but uh, this one actually uh, made us drive harder. Uh, the compost that we got was wood chips. Now, wood chip is not soil, it's wood chips. So we had to use the wood chips, but the strawberries did not appreciate that. So they are reluctant to flower, and they have not uh, all flowered, but we will get strawberries, but unfortunately we weren't able to get them on Jalsa. But the first strawberry, if anybody would like to see, and if they are listening, you can see them in the IAAA 10, is the first strawberry of the Jalsa farm and it's available at the IAAA tent in the exhibition area with, amongst the other things that our farmers have grown um, in the UK from seed. So, jazakala for listening, everyone.